October 15th, 1999. I know that's a few years ago. And that date probably has no significance to any of you. Um, October 15th actually is the day after my mom's birthday. It's uh, four days prior to my dad's birthday. It's uh, eight days prior to my birthday. That's a lot of birthdays, I know. But October 15th, 1999 is the day God saved me. Amen. Um, I told myself not to do this, but I'm going to get emotional already, so bear with me here. Um, but that was a Friday night. I was at a Promise Keepers event in Des Moines, Iowa. Anybody remember Promise Keepers? I don't know if they're still around, but God saved me through that ministry. And that night I found myself there as a, a non-believer, and there was a pastor by the name of uh, Larry Jackson, and he had this deep, rich, booming voice, and you couldn't help but be drawn into this guy. Um, and as cool as his voice was, you got to remember, I'm a non-believer. He was holding out the Word of God, and he was preaching on being a man of God. And I remember thinking, everything he kept saying, I'm like, I'm not that, but I want to be that. And then he said, you know, you can't be a man of God unless you're a child of God. And then he went on to explain how you could become a child of God. And when he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, which, by the way, was probably the third, maybe the fourth time I'd heard that in my life. And I was 30 or 31 years old. How sad is that? But he preached the gospel, and they had what, you know, what we call an altar call. And he said, if you want to be saved, come forward, let's pray. And I was knocking people down trying to get there. I couldn't get there fast enough. And so October 15th, 1999 is the day, the night that God saved me. Now, um, the cool part in that is I, I thought what Promise Keepers did well is every man that went forward, uh, they gave them a Bible. So I thought, man, this is awesome. I, I've never had a Bible. In fact, I think I've only opened a Bible once or twice in my life prior to that. So now I have my very own Bible. And I went home and tucked inside of that Bible, there was an insert. And so I pulled that insert out and uh, it was, there were some instructions on it. Not a lot, just a few things. Uh, things to do now that you're a, a Christian. Not instructions on how to be a Christian, but what to do now. Number one on the list was find a local church and get plugged in. I'm like, okay. I knew one guy, a friend of mine, that got saved about three years prior. Scott. So I called Scott up and I said, hey, Scott, I got saved. We rejoiced and... Uh, I said, i got to go to church now. Can I come with you? And he said, by all means, you can. And so I did. Um, second thing on the list was begin a life of dedicated prayer. Or maybe, it says something maybe like, start praying daily. And I'll be honest with you, my heart started pounding when I saw that. So I'm a new Christian uh, and now I, start, I have to start praying. Like, I don't know how to pray. That was frightening. That scared me. 
Have you ever been there like, um, how do you pray? What do you pray? What, what do you say? How does that look? I, I literally didn't know what to do. So you're going to laugh when I tell you this, uh, but I'm just going to be transparent with you. Um, I remembered, uh, not in that handout, but the program that came along with attending the conference, there was a prayer in the program, and it was a prayer of salvation. So for probably two or three weeks every day, I just I prayed to get saved. <laughs> now, you laugh, and actually, I think it's kind of silly now that I think about it, but, and, and God didn't save me many times. God saved me once. I was secure, but I didn't know how to pray, okay? I, I was, um, I had no clue. So that's what I did. I prayed the prayer of salvation. Have you ever been there? I'm looking around. Are there any nods? Has praying ever frightened you? Um, have you ever thought, man, am I, am I praying right? Am, am I doing this correctly? I don't see any nods, so maybe I'm the only one here. Okay, there's some nods. There we go. Don't leave me hanging here, people. Well, you know, if you've ever felt that way, or maybe you feel that way today, you're actually in pretty good company. If you want to, flip over to Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And there you'll find the disciples, one of the disciples saying, Hey, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? So you're in good company. Even his very first disciples needed instruction on how to pray. His very first disciples, guys. These are the guys he, they walked with him, they ate with him, they, they talked, they received instruction directly from him. Even his disciples said, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? So that's where we are. We are in a short mini-series on prayer. And thankfully... Jesus instructed his disciples in chapter 11 in Luke, and he also did so in chapter 6 in Matthew. That's where we'll be today, again, in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to see how Jesus explains and instructs his first followers. So, um, these first believers, his early disciples, here's how I suggest you pray, guys. And so it's true for them, it's true for us as well. Now, I want to remind you, um, let's just recap. We're, I want to get through this quickly. We are technically still in the book of James. Uh, we haven't finished our study through that book. We're taking a three-week break. Um, we pushed pause. We're going to be in Matthew. Uh, we were there last week. We'll be here today and next week. Todd will finish up this mini-series on prayer. Um, so we are praying like Jesus taught. This is what we're studying right now. Um, as elders, we've been talking about this for better than uh, probably a year or better. Um, we sense God wanting us to move more into uh, doing corporate prayer, uh, funneling down into lighthouses, and Lord willing, it funnels down into our own individual lives. So. We're in this series called Praying Like Jesus Taught. Now, let's just recap 
where we are. Matthew 6. It's right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 5, 6, and 7, uh, Jesus is instructing his disciples. And in chapter 6, he's addressing um, giving, praying, and fasting. And remember this. It, there, the word if is not found in this text. In other words, um, there's an implication here. Jesus is not saying, hey, if you decide to pray or if you decide to give. No, there's an, an understanding that um, these are not optional disciplines for the believer. So he says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. So keep that in mind as we go through this. These are not optional disciplines. Now, last week, Todd was on verses 5 and 6. Uh, if you see this next slide here, um, it was, don't pray to be seen by other men. Instead, pray humbly before God. You remember he explained how the, the hypocrites or really the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time, uh, they would dress in their uh, you know, beautiful robes, their, their religious um, dressing, uh, and they would time their prayers just right uh, to where they would find themselves at an intersection or you know, a busy crossroad at the right time of the day when there'd be large crowds or in the synagogues at the right time when prayer was to happen, uh, they would be front and center. It would be like maybe Keith. Uh, hey, Keith, I'm preaching Sunday. Um, I'd like you to come pray at the beginning of the service. And Keith, because he's such a nice guy, he says, yeah, Brad, no problem. Well, Keith, as you can tell, he wears blue jeans, usually in a nice shirt. But not on this Sunday. This Sunday, Keith shows up in his three-piece suit, a nice silk tie, the best shoes money can buy, and some cufflinks and a cute little hanky in his shirt. And I, I said, now, I'm going to need you at the beginning of the service. No problem, Brad. And so the service begins. Keith, you're on. I got this, Brad. And he walks up here, and he looks around, and he's like, hey, Brad, there's still people not in here yet. Let's wait till everybody's here, because... Man, I'm dressed for the part. Does that make sense? See, their, their goal in all of that was not to pray to God. They just wanted to be seen. They wanted to look religious, look important. And so that's what Todd was driving home. They wanted to be seen by other men. Uh, they didn't want to pray humbly to God. Now, that leads us into this week. Um, so this week, we are going to be in... Uh, verses 7 through 13. So find your way to your Bible, turn your Bible on, open it up, flip the pages. This week, we're going to see this. Don't pray to be heard as other men, or you could say as some other men. Instead, pray simply to God. Don't pray to be heard as other men. Instead, pray simply to God. So if you're there, all that to say, let's get started on our passage today. In verse 7, he says, and when. So this is a, a continuing thought. Um, he's been talking about prayer. So he continues his thought here, but shifts. He says, "As so and when, not if, and when you pray, 
Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. I love, I love the language in this first verse. Uh, when he mentions Gentiles, he's, he's referring to the pagans or non-believers, non-followers of Christ. And so they're praying, but they're not praying to God, they're praying to their gods, their false gods. But look at what he says here. He says, do not heap up empty phrases. Um, I have four boys, um, 12, 10, 8, and 6. Is that right? Okay, good. I have four boys. Man, you give them a shovel and a pile of dirt, and they're good to go. Um, They're amazing, actually. But they can take a pile of dirt from here and move it to here. And they think that's awesome. Um, And we love it because it wears them out. But they can move a pile of dirt from here to here. How do they do it? One shovel at a time. Shovel by shovel. And they pile it up. And before long, they have a heap of dirt. Does that make sense? That's what he's saying here, guys. Don't, do not heap up empty phrases. When you're praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, as the pagans do. Because they think they will be heard for their many words. And then he says in verse 8, so don't be like them. In other words, don't make this complicated. Don't, don't throw word upon word into your prayer, meaningless phrases. Don't heap it up. You don't need to use many words to accomplish this. And that's what the pagans were doing to their false gods. Um, a good example of this could be found in 1 Kings, I believe it's chapter 18. Remember Elijah? He challenges the prophets of Baal to this, um, let's call it a bull burning contest. And so there's, I think, 450 of them versus one true prophet, 450 false prophets against Elijah. And he says, hey, I'll tell you what, you guys get a bull, I'll get a bull, we'll cut them up, we'll place them on the altar, and let's see whose God can actually light these things on fire. I'm paraphrasing this, of course. And so the challenge is accepted, and he says, you know what? There's 450 of you. Go ahead. You go first. I'll wait patiently. And so they did. They processed the bull. They put it on the altar, and they start dancing around and chanting, Oh, Baal, hear our prayers. Oh, Baal, hear us. Chanting. You can picture this, this heaping up words, empty phrases, but, you know, um, repetitious. So this goes on for the better part of a day. And they're really getting nowhere, no answer. The bull is still not burned up. And so I love Elijah. He starts talking smack with these guys. He's like, hey, maybe your God, um, maybe he's busy. I like this one. He says, maybe he's relieving himself. Read it. It's in the Bible. And then he says, oh, maybe he fell asleep. You should go wake him up. And they're frustrated, and they're still trying, and they're chanting. And they get so frustrated, they, they begin to cut themselves with knives and swords to the point where blood is gushing out. Like, maybe that will get our God's attention. And that's why he says, James, uh, Jesus says, they think they'll be heard 
in these, this manner. But they're not. They, they weren't. And so finally, Elijah says, hey, step aside. And he shows him the real God. And he calls upon God to answer his prayers. And God lights things up. But that's what Jesus is saying here. Hey, don't be like them. You don't need to make this complicated. You don't need to throw word upon word upon word in your prayers trying to impress God. Why? Because, verse 80 says, for or because your Father knows what you need before you ask. You don't need to make your prayers complicated. And so now, this takes us into the bulk of the message here. If you go to the next slide, um, write this down, because we're going to do a little survey at the end of the service here. Um, this will be up for the, the, probably the remainder of the message, so don't rush to get it written down. Um, I want you to listen, too. Um, Jesus' point here, his, uh, his intent is to contrast what he is about to give as a model or, or example or sample prayer. Uh, he says, pray then like this, not pray this verbatim, or he doesn't say, pray this. He says, pray like this. Okay, but I don't want you to miss this. Uh, Jesus, in this, what is called in the Bible, the Lord's Prayer, but I agree with Todd, it really is better called the Disciples' Prayer because it was given to the disciples. But look at what Jesus does now. He, he says, don't be like them. Don't make things complicated. You don't have to show God a big old pile of words for your prayers. Watch how Jesus lays out a simple prayer. And so I've, this, this message, this passage has been preached thousands of times it's been outlined thousands of times. Um, you can find all sorts of ways to break this passage down. But I, I wanted, I've tried to keep it as simple as I possibly could. And so this is how it breaks down. Uh, and notice, guys, notice the priority here, okay? Well, we're to praise God's name, first and foremost. Uh, then he suggests we pray for God's agenda, not ours, God's agenda. And then he says, even though your father knows what you need, he says, go ahead, pray for your needs. And finally, he says, pray for your struggles as well. So Jesus says in verse 9, pray then or pray instead, not in a complicated repetitious, monotonous, um, regimented fashion. Pray simply like this. In verse 9, he says, and these are Jesus' words, Our Father in heaven. Um, that, uh, that verse, Our Father in heaven, you got to remember, he's coming off of talking about these pagans who are uh, worshiping their false gods. 
He says, no, you, you can pray like this. You, the believer, you can address your God as Father. See, here's the point, guys. Every man, woman, and child roaming this earth can call upon, not all do, but all can call upon God as creator. But only those who, that God has saved, only believers, only followers of Christ have the privilege of saying, Father. Why? Because if you've been saved by God, he's adopted you into his spiritual family, and you are now a son or daughter of God in heaven. He says, our Father in heaven. This is the God, the one and only true God, who resides in heaven. He sits high, but he looks low. He sees you, he knows you. Jesus said, don't pray to those false gods. Don't be like those Gentiles, because they think they're being heard, but they're not. No, you, you believer, you address your father who sits in heaven, but he sees you where you are. He knows you intimately. He knows you better than you know you. And then he starts out with this. Hallowed be your name. See, Jesus, remember, look at the priority of that. Jesus says, hey, start your prayers by praising God. Worship your Father by praising his name instead of what we normally do. What do we usually do? We rush to what we need, right? Or actually the truth is we rush to what we want. Jesus says, no, praise your Father who is in heaven. Uh, Lift his name up. Make his name known to the world. How do you do that? Um, this is, I'll, I want to share with you um, what has helped me in praising God's name. Now, you might think that's odd, um, and we'll get to some applications here in a little bit, but the more I pull back and I stop and I contemplate what God has done, he saved me, he saved you what God is doing. He's sanctifying you day by day, what he will do. He will one day make you whole, make you complete. You'll lack nothing. You'll be like his son, Jesus Christ. When I stop and I contemplate that, that gets me and my mind and my heart to a position, a posture of, wow, God is awesome. And then I want to praise his name. God alone, he is the creator. He is the sustainer. And if you are in Christ, he caused that to happen. Think about these things. And before you rush into your prayer time and ask God for your needs, Jesus says, no, start by praising his name.
And then verse 10, Jesus says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Guys, I'm, I'm trying to remain simple on this. Um, I'm not trying to over-explain it. Um, that's, I think, Jesus' point. It's very straightforward. It's a simple prayer contrasted with what the pagans were doing at his time, which, by the way, those types of prayers, and there are still false gods that are worshipped today. So this is relevant today. He says, your kingdom come. See, this, the kingdom, God's kingdom, uh, you could say in the, in the present sense, was inaugurated when Jesus came, but it will not have fully come until when? Until Jesus returns. He'll set up his kingdom here. He'll rule and reign in righteousness. And Jesus said, pray for that to come. And so we pray, Lord Jesus, come, come quickly. And he says, your will be done. Guys, this is just simply as Jesus did in the garden. You setting aside your will in place of the Father's. God, not my will. Remember, he's knees buried in the dirt. And he's so, um, can you imagine? No, you probably can't actually imagine. But try to imagine Christ realizing full well what's ahead of him. The entire wrath of God for trillions upon trillions of sins. Waiting to be poured out upon him. So he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. God, not my will, but yours be done. And you see how he finishes those first few verses? He says, on earth as it is in heaven. See, things operate perfectly in heaven. God's name is made great all the time. His kingdom is in perfect harmony in heaven. His will is always done in heaven. And so we're to pray, uh, God, I want what is true in heaven to be true here. Wouldn't that be beautiful? So this priority, um, have you noticed? It's God, God, God. And then he says, hey, if, when you're done with that, even though you know, even though the Father knows your needs, go ahead and pray. Ask him for your needs. This petition is simply asking God to provide you today what you need for today. I, need, I want to say that again. Asking God to provide today what you need today. Not provide today for what you need for the next couple days. Not today for what you need for the coming week. That's really silent in here. See, this flies in the face of Americans. It does in my face. Because I have a bank account and I have a refrigerator full of food and I have a house that is built to last for years and years and years. And I have, and I have, and I have, and I have. 
But Jesus says, no, ask your father for your needs for today. Pray today for today. See, that tells me that probably morning by morning, when you roll out of bed, your feet hit the floor, and you thank God for putting breath in your lungs, you probably ought to ask, God, could you give me today what I need only for this day? This expresses complete and total dependence on your Father. Not on you, not on your job, not on your spouse. Guys, this isn't the dinnertime prayer either, where we thank God for what's right before us. It is day by day. Before you get it, God, could you just uh, please give me what I need for today? Total dependence. And then Jesus moves on, verses 12 through 13. He says, and... Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So he talks about forgiveness here. And I'm going to be quick on this because uh, he leave, there's actually a PS to this passage in 14 and 15. And that's what Todd will preach on next week. So, but I do want to say this. This is not forgiveness from a salvation standpoint. He's, he's addressing this to his disciples. He's giving this to the early believers. Okay, so they're saved, they're secure. He's not saying, hey, keep praying for salvation, like I was when I was a new believer. No, this is, uh, don't think of salvation when he mentions forgiveness here. Think more along the lines of relationship. Or think along the lines of fellowship, okay? So watch me on this. If, if Ben sins against me. He calls me some nasty names and I get really mad and I'm like, Ben, you sinned against me. See, I, according to what Jesus says, I shouldn't go to my father and ask for him to forgive me for my sins as long as I am bitter and angry and withholding forgiveness from Ben. Why is that a struggle? Because we like to receive forgiveness, don't we? But are we quick to give it out? See, it doesn't say, hey, forgive those who have sinned against you when they come to seek forgiveness. It just says, the implication is, I've already forgiven those who have offended me, who owe me a debt. I've already taken care of that, God. So could you please restore my relationship? the fellowship between you and me. Does that make sense? Todd will preach more on this, so I want to move on. Then he goes into verse 13 where he talks about temptation. So he says, lead us not into temptation. This seems to be in contrast with James uh, chapter 1, I think it's 13, where it says, God doesn't tempt anyone. And that's true. This word temptation would be better translated um, tested or tried. So, so follow the thought on this. Um, this is just simply expressing to God, God, I, um, under my own ability, I 
cannot withstand the pressures of the trials that I'm in, the testing that's trying to refine my faith. Without you, God, I cannot withstand that, and I will probably fall into sin. Does that make sense? It's just expressing to God, God, I I struggle with sin. I get that I'm being tried. Uh, There's testing in my life, but on my own, I can't do it, God. I need your help. And he wraps this up with this last verse. He says, and deliver us from evil. Some versions will say the evil one. Satan is at work. Can we just nod and admit that? Satan is at work in this world. And again, um, God, I, I can't hold him back. In my own power, I need the power of your Holy Spirit working in my life so that I do not give in to Satan's work in my life. Do you see the simplicity of that verse? Do you see, uh, in contrast to what the pagan, the rituals were, word after word, piling up these empty prayers that really, they were heard by no one. He says, don't, don't pray as other men do. No, pray like this. It's just a simple prayer. Before I move on, let's go to our, uh, our take-home truth here. Let's read this together, okay? So it says, before we ask God to meet our needs, we must first worship him in our prayers. And that goes back to the priority that Jesus laid out. He says, God, guys, don't, don't make this complicated and don't rush ahead of yourselves, which we typically do. We go right to our needs, right to our wants. But he says, no, praise your father's name first and foremost and then pray for God's work or his agenda and then pray for your needs. Even though God knows them, go ahead, tell him you depend on him. Tell him you rely fully and completely on him for your needs and your struggles. Um, so I told you early on, uh, what is, as a new believer, I didn't know how to pray, uh, so I prayed to be saved every day for two or three weeks. And then I realized, well, that's probably not getting me anywhere. Um, so I went to a man I, I, I had come to know. Uh, his name is Ken Killian. This is a sweet old guy. Uh, in fact, Ken was one of many that were instrumental, that was instrumental in my coming to faith in Christ. Uh, so I went to Ken and I said, Ken, I'm, uh, I need your help. I, I'm supposed to, I guess, start praying daily and I don't know how to do this. Can you, can you walk me through that? And he said, yeah, I can do that, Brad. Brad, if you wanted to talk to me, uh, ask me a question, um, tell me something, if you, if you needed my help, what would you do? I'm like, oh, is this a trick question? I'm like, I don't. I guess I just talk to you. He goes, Yeah, that's exactly what you do. He said, Brad, it's just, it's communicating. Uh, that's what prayer is. It's communicating. But there's a big difference when we talk, and when you talk to your father. He said, Realize who it is. He's the one who um, created you. 
your father is the one that, that keeps your life in his hands. Your father, he's the one that created, uh, caused salvation to happen. I'm beginning to think, okay, I, I get that. He said, remember who it is you're talking to. And I thought, gosh, I can do that. I like to talk. I can talk to God. I, I, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know how else to say it, guys. It's that simple. I hope you hear that well. It's that simple. But approach him. Uh, realize who he is. He is the one and only. There are no other gods. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change things up here. This is off script. Now I'm nervous. Of, can you go back to the, Felicia, can you go back to that slide? There we are. You see those? Read through those. Praise God's name. Pray for God's agenda. Pray for our needs. Pray for our struggles. On your notes, I, want you, I, need, I need at least 70% participation in this. I'd like 100. On your notes, and it might be more than one, pick one where you really fall short. Can you do that for me? Think about it for a second. Pick one of those. This is in the... This is regarding prayer, okay? Pick one that you um, maybe struggle with or don't do or just you just, you fail. Are you guys there? Everybody ready? Okay. I'm really going out on a limb here. Um, don't be shy here. Show of hands, okay? We're family, right? Uh, on that last one, praying for our struggles. Is that your weak point? Show, show a hand if that's true for you. Go ahead. Don't be shy. Okay. How about the praying for our needs? All right. Honest. Uh, what about the next one? Praying for God's agenda. Okay. And how about that top one? Praising God's name. Okay. That's kind of what I thought, so you confirm some things. So I was going to approach it a different way, but I thought this might be a little bit softer way to get into this. So you guys have been honest, and I appreciate that. Um, mine would be the very first one. Um, in my prayer time, I'm like, I want to sound all spiritual, and I'm like, yeah, God, your will be done in my life. Not mine, but I'm really a pretty selfish guy. Um, and I'm really quick to pray for my needs, really my wants. Um, and I'm not afraid to ask God for help because I do struggle with a lot of things. But as you guys all shown with your hands, those first two, which focus on who? God. Those were, that's where the most hands went up. And so um, here's what I want to do. Um, we did this last week. We've done this a little bit more as uh, over the last few months. I want to spend time um, praying together. This is corporate prayer time. Uh, 
So Josh, if you want to go ahead and bring the band up here, um, you're more than welcome to rejoin us. Here's what I want to do, though, okay? Um, I want us to praise his name. Now, see, I know you're thinking, gosh, Brad, you can't spell. Well, Todd likes to make up words. I like to misspell words, so. Um, I did that on purpose, okay? Um, I think that's where most of us are. Um, or fall short. And so I want you to understand that praising God is actually praying to God. Does that make sense? It's in Jesus' model prayer. He starts by saying, praise God. So that's what I want us to do. So right where you are, um, we're going to spend just a few minutes And watch me. I don't want you to ask God for anything. Okay? Don't request anything. That's not wrong. Um, What I want us to do for two or three minutes, maybe four, I don't know, is contemplate this great God that has saved us. Okay? So right now, where you're sitting, start taking inventory of your life. What he has done for you, what he has given you, all you have because of God, your Father in heaven. So the band will be playing behind me. I am going to jump in and I'll, I'll prompt you on some things as we pray. But right where you are, and if you want to move to a friend or to some lighthouse people, uh, by all means, do that. But here's why I want us to focus on praising God. And I have some lighthouse members, some of my lighthouse members in here, and I've spoken with other lighthouse leaders, so please don't be offended by what I'm going to say right now, because I'm rowing this same boat with you. When we make a list of prayer requests, it's usually pretty long. And when we ask for praises, there's usually one or two items. Do you follow what I'm saying? And I've gotten feedback from other lighthouse leaders. That's true for them too. As elders, we meet, we pray over the requests that come in. And there's a really long list of prayer requests. And I'm thankful for those. I'm thankful that you guys trust us that we, and that you'll, you'll allow us to pray for you. But on the right-hand column is the praise column. And Sadly, none of those prayer requests, if they've been met, ever work their way over to a praise. And I, we were talking just a few weeks ago in a meeting. I'm like, why is it? And, and it's not just you. It's, it's us too as elders. So I'm, I'm in this boat with you guys. Why is it that our prayer requests are always so much longer than our praises. I, I don't have an answer for that. I'm just, I'm asking the question. I'm, I struggle with that too. So right now, I want us to just spend time not asking for a thing. So bow your heads and just start praising God, your Father in heaven.
maybe a, maybe in, just in a whisper. Don't worry about what people are thinking or sitting next to you or maybe thinking. They should be praying too. Take a deep breath. Fill your lungs with air. And exhale. God allowed that to happen. As simple as that, guys. He sacrificed his one and only son. Bloodied and beaten and hung on a cross. So that all who would believe could spend forever with him. That's how much he loved you. He wanted badly to be rightly related again with you.